Hello everyone, my name is Richard McDonald, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. This is an informational episode where we will dive deep into the historical, mythological, and characteristical roles and traits of the dragon. However, this is a Harry Potter-themed podcast, so we will be dissecting the role of the dragon in the movies, its appearances in the novel series, and some fun facts about the creatures you may not have known about. All considered canon, nothing is speculation. Again, my name is Richard McDonald, and you're listening to the Potter Podcast, Dragons. Firstly, we will be discussing the historical aspect of the existence of the dragon. Keep in mind that, in one way or another, it is likely that, especially for those of you listening, that are from or have lived in, or have visited a foreign country such as Korea, Japan, or England, you have come into contact with some representation or piece of art that depicts a dragon. We will shortly be discussing what is, to me, the most fascinating and attention-grabbing portion of the research I did to prepare for this podcast. Without further ado, I present the history of dragons in the real muggle world. The real dragons that may or may not have existed, yet are depicted all throughout modern and pre-modern history. Fierce, gargantuan, and often vile and monstrous, dragons are creatures that have maintained a substantial presence in the lore and stories written and told by various cultures throughout the entirety of human history. Each of these cultures have held a wide range of beliefs regarding those winged beasts, for their history is not rooted in a single country or continent, but has been documented by civilizations all around the world. Biologists in Europe once wrote accounts of the behavior and habitat of dragons, along with lizards and snakes. Chinese scholars have classified the dragon as one of the 369 animal species with scales. Regardless of the place or the languages spoken by their people, dragons have existed in legends of cultures reaching all around the globe, described by nearly all of them to be large, fearsome reptilian creatures and have done so for thousands, or possibly many more, years. The earliest recorded sighting of a dragon is not necessarily a true sighting per se. They are believed to have existed not only thousands, but millions of years ago in the prehistoric ages in a world ruled mostly by massive reptilian creatures at a time when the world was lush with trees that produced substantially more oxygen for the earth than the planet receives today. Reptiles, mammals, and insects alike grew to enormous sizes. In terms of what is scientifically provable, the physical features of the dinosaurs that lived in the prehistoric eras are most alike when compared to the descriptions of dragons' appearances 
that are almost unanimously shared throughout the cultures that have come and gone and the folklore regarding their beasts. Since there isn't a consensus on the origin of the Chinese dragon within the country's culture, it is possible that their roots trace all the way back to the formation of Chinese civilization itself. While there are many various dragons of importance and stature, the most powerful of them being the four dragon kings which presided over each of the four seas, they are said to have nine children as well. While the four dragon kings held a position of dominance over their species, other powerful dragons were said to possess the abilities to change or control the weather, and many centuries ago, Chinese villagers would pay tribute to them at temples as if they were regarded as deities or gods, often sacrificing and conducting other religious rites to appease the dragons. Although Chinese dragons are undoubtedly the most widely documented in the region, there exist the Ryu and the Yong or the Japanese and Korean translations for the word dragon, respectively. In Japan, dragons are said to be more reptilian, closely resembling snakes or serpents. They harness the power to control the energy inside one's soul, according to the Japanese. In Korea, the dragon does have a presence, albeit a substantially lesser documented one than those of Japan and China. Korean dragons are often depicted holding orbs, and they also influence one's power or fortune, and were therefore immortalized in statues and carvings that symbolize power and fortune. In the Western world, the dragon was largely vilified, viewed as a monstrosity, especially in Europe where they were viewed as symbols of paganism. There were many so-called dragon slayers, and the most famous of these lot was St. George. Living in the late 3rd century AD, he was a Cappadocian soldier who was martyred under Diocletian's name. The story of St. George's life would have been quite like that of his many contemporary martyrs, refusing to give up their Christian faith in the face of a persecuting pagan emperor and paying for it with their lives, if it had not been for one particular tale. What set St. George apart from his other fellow martyrs is that he is well known to this day for his deeds during the siege of Salem, now known as Silene. These acts are narrated in, quote, The Golden Legend by Jacobus de Voragine, also known as Legenda Aurea by Jacobo de Voragine, end quote. In the Golden Legend, also known in the modern ages as St. George and the Dragon, the town of Salem, located in modern-day Libya, is besieged by a dragon. The king and his people met in the town square to decide what should be done about the dragon. None were willing to fight it, and they instead decided on a sacrifice to appease it. So, throwing aside all common sense, they decided that None should be so fit for the task as the king's own daughter. However, before they sacrifice her to the creature, St. George rides into the town on his steed. He agrees to fight the dragon and manages to capture it, 
bringing it to the town square and thereby saving the life of the princess. Being the saint that he was, however, he proceeded to convert the king and the entire town to Christianity, before finally killing the already spear-skewed and seemingly domesticated or tamed beast in front of everybody. Mercilessly. He was thus known for his deed henceforth, while the rest of the Christian martyrs were dragged through the streets and died for their faith needlessly. Over the countless eras in which dragons have made appearances in, the ancient depictions of massed winged beasts remain still, although they, if to be believed as real creatures that did once exist, seem to have all but died out. In today's world, the largest lizard-like creature that still exists that can truly be called a dragon is the Komodo dragon of Indonesia. Located solely in the island chain, they are a slightly endangered species of the Varanidae family, which consists of the world's largest venomous reptiles. They typically weigh about 154 pounds, but the largest verified specimen reached a length of 10.3 feet and weighed 366 pounds. Males tend to grow larger and bulkier than females. They are known to carry septic bacteria and even salmonella in their oral cavities, aside from the venomous secretions from their poisonous glands. Although the Komodo dragons are known to be the largest living lizards, the largest true reptiles being massive pythons and constrictors. Their recent ancestors called Megalania were much larger and deadlier than the Indonesian monitor lizards that exist today. They are said to have been at least double the size and body mass of the modern Komodo dragons, and because they belong to the same species of Varanus or Varanidae, they were the largest venomous lizards to have ever walked the face of the earth. Unfortunately, or fortunately, as even the Komodos are known to feast upon human beings, the Megalania died out during the last ice age. The youngest fossil remains date to around 50,000 years ago. Thankfully, one does not have to worry his or herself for the prospect of being eaten by a massive flying reptile as they walk outside. As the most dangerous animal on earth today, regarding incidents of attacks upon human beings, is surprisingly the African hippo. However, a beast so deeply rooted in the legends of hundreds of civilizations worldwide, during times where communication between countries was very scarce at best, must mean that some aspect of the legendary creature must have been true, for it is doubtful that thousands and thousands of people belonging to hundreds and hundreds of countries across the world's timeline that describe the dragon, constructed art and monuments and temples portraying strikingly similar dragons, and recorded historical accounts of the dragon's abilities and the deeds of humans that slew such beasts, could ever have collectively have been having such similar hallucinations or fever dreams all revolving around this very same creature. Therefore, although it is still considered a mythical beast, the dragon is the likeliest candidate of all creatures of legend to have truly existed 
long ago and roam the skies as the apex predators of their time. Now, I will conclude this episode by explaining to those that are somehow unaware of the role and importance of the dragon within the Harry Potter series, exactly that, especially in the first, fourth, and final novels along with their movie adaptations. Dragons are the only creatures in the Harry Potter universe to have been universally acknowledged by both muggles and wizards alike, as muggles have, throughout the history of their cultures, known of the creature's existence. Although the wizarding community actively seeks to keep the dragon's prevalence a secret by means of memory-wiping spells and similar methods, should they be notified that one is seen or reported by a muggle, the fact that the creature is rooted within Muggle mythology and legend is a testament to the importance of its role and the stature of the creature within both worlds. Dragons are to be treated with extreme caution as the Ministry of Magic classifies them as quintuple X, or impossible to be tamed or controlled. Although they are protected, especially the Welsh Green, a generally non-violent species, towards humans at least, given that they do eat a lot of sheep. In sanctuaries such as the Romanian Dragon Sanctuary that Charlie Weasley is employed at, they are known to exist in the wild and to escape quite frequently, which leads to any muggles who catch sight of the beast to be charmed into believing some other reality should the wilder escape dragon cause any sort of destruction or mayhem, or to simply have their memory wiped of the event should the muggle merely spot the dragon. Not only are they classified as untamable, there are known to exist 10 different breeds. In alphabetical order, they are the Antipodian Opali, the Chinese Firebowl, the Common Welsh Green, the Hebridian Black, the Hungarian Horntail, the Norwegian Ridgeback, the Peruvian Vipertooth, Romanian Longhorn, the Swedish Short Snout, and the Ukrainian Iron Belly. The most dangerous, to humans especially, is the Hungarian Horntail, although the Chinese Fireball and the Peruvian Vipertooth are known to be quite vicious themselves, although lacking both the size and physical attributes that the Horntail possesses. The Horntail is known to breathe fire across massive lengths, being able to immolate targets over 50 meters away. In the novel series, they have made three major appearances. The first is Norbert's birth in Hagrid's hut and its subsequent return in the seventh installment. The second is a Triwizard Tournament's first task where the champions face off against the fearsome beasts. During the challenge, a Hungarian horntail nearly eviscerates Harry, nearly burns him alive, and nearly eats him until Harry bests it by summoning a spell to conjure his broom where he outflies the terrifying creature and causes it to crash into a bridge and fall into a deep chasm. However, in the final installment of the series, 
especially in the movies. One can see that the creatures can, in fact, be tamed to an extent. The goblins at Gringotts and their fearsome dragon vault guards have a unique relationship, quite opposite to that of the one that the passionate dragon tamers such as the aforementioned Charlie Weasley have with their dragons. The goblins seem to have abused and tortured the dragons, which is evident by the painful open sores that they suffer from due to the chains around them. In the scene of Harry, Ron, and Hermione's escape in the movie adaptation, the dragon takes in the fresh air before doing anything else, with a clear sense of relief from achieving a freedom that it most likely doubted would ever come to fruition. Rowling reveals it to be a Ukrainian iron belly, the largest of all dragons, however made horribly pale and nearly blind due to the lengths of time it spent underneath the surface without sunlight while being mistreated and while being physically abused into submission to its goblin captors. While the Iron Belly is noted as being the largest of the dragons, it was nonetheless hostile only to its captors, suggesting that dragons can distinguish between friend and foe. While it may have simply been thankful to be free, it showed no aggression, at least none that matched the sort that it projected towards its captors by burning them alive, to Ron, Harry, and Hermione. Now for some fun facts. Materials made of dragons consist of dragon blood, of which Albus Dumbledore discovered 12 uses for. Uh, the 12th use being as an oven cleaner, another as a spot remover. Secondly, there's the dragon claw. During the 1995 school year at Hogwarts, in the midst of the OWL exams, a trade sprang up amongst the 5th and 7th year students for various supposed brain stimulants. A student named Harold Dingle was offering Powder Dragon Claw, though Hermione Granger confiscated it as it turned out to be dried doxy droppings, or doxy poop. Ron Weasley said that Dragon Claw does work and that it does give your brain a boost, making you cunning for a few hours, although it is not confirmed. And speaking of poop, Dragon Dung is sold by the barrel in Nocturne Alley. It is a rich fertilizer used by students at Hogwarts in Herbology class. Then comes Dragon Eggs. They are classified as Class A non-tradable materials by the Ministry of Magic. Despite the ban, dragon eggs can still be found on the black market. Chinese fireball eggshells are highly prized as potion ingredients by Chinese witches and wizards. Also for the gold flakes found in their shells, they can fetch quite a high price. Then comes the dragon heart. Dragon heart string is an exceptionally powerful and one of the most common kinds of core used in wands. Dragon horns are used in many potions, and dragon hide is used to make clothing. 
Where muggles wear leather, wizards wear dragonide. Dragon liver is 16 sickles an ounce and is used as ingredient in potions. And finally, dragon meat um, is used by Hagrid to put over a bruise on his face. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been Richard McDonald with the Potter Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode, given that dragons play such a significant role in the series. And I hope you learned something.